Summer is over, and now it's time to get back to business. College football is in a much different place than it was the last time we came on the air. Preseason NFL is underway. So much more. So let's go ahead and start the season premiere episode of the Draft Countdown Podcast. Tonight's season premiere edition of the Draft Countdown Podcast. I am your co-host, Brian Bosors, joined as always by my co-host, Shane P. Hallam. Shane, 252 days, 22 hours, 58 minutes, and 20 seconds away from the 2024 NFL Draft. Uh, it's a long way off, but uh, it'll be here before we know it. <laughs> right, we'll be doing the live stream on here, so uh, happy to be back. Happy to be back for the 2024 Draft now. If for no other reason, man, we just got to get that uh, get that rhythm back again, right? You know, it's kind of kind of like a little lull over the summer. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But uh, if you're watching live in the chat or watching live on Twitter, uh, go ahead and send us an, uh, some questions. And we'll answer them at the end of the show. If you are new to the channel watching this, go ahead and uh, hit that like and subscribe subscribe button, subscribe to the channel so you know and the notification bell so you get notified when we go live. Uh, each and every week here on the Draft Countdown Podcast, we do this on Wednesdays um, at uh, 9 Eastern, 8 Central every week, and uh, the occasional emergency podcast when uh, when called upon. But, you know, that's not rare. But, yeah, go ahead and get those questions in, Shane. But uh, the big topic, I mean, I think we got to lead off with, right, is college football is in a much different place than it was when we left it back in – you know, May, early May, uh, we have seen a great bit of shuffling. And uh, I, I guess the SEC technically started all this when they brought in Texas and Oklahoma. And then the Big Ten followed up by bringing in the two Southern California schools, Southern Cal and UCLA. Uh, but then it got weird again. Uh, just to recap for those that haven't been keeping up with it, uh, Washington and Oregon. Uh, leaving the PAC conference now to join the Big Ten. That co- all this takes place in 2024. Um, the Big 12 has, who added UCF, BYU, Houston, and Cincinnati this year, will be adding Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah from the PAC 12. Uh, the ACC, they seem to have an impenetrable uh, grant of rights contracts, but that's not stopping Florida State and Clemson and various likes from lawyering up trying to get out of that. So are they stable? We don't know. And uh, the Pac-12 is now the Pac-4 
and they have Stanford, Cal, Washington State, and Oregon State, all that remains. It's it's getting wild real quick. And I think I think we all kind of sensed that it was headed this way, even go back five, ten years when things started shifting pretty rapidly. Uh, and we saw you know, the the big east go under and the, the, the ACC and SEC expand, Texas A and M move over. We kind of said, Oh, we, we could move to these kind of super conferences and only have two or three that are really big. And it seems like we're Moving toward that direction, I think it's still going to take a lot of time. But, I mean, the Pac-12 seems almost done that they'll be relegated to the next American Athletic Conference and, and be a G5 school, essentially. Um, you know, that's a question. I I think we can – I don't know how you want to pose this conversation, Brian, but to me it's a good thing. And I, I'm, I know I'm in the minority. Probably the people that listen to our podcast are a lot of hardcore college football people – and it's tough to lose that tradition, but like we're going to have better games every week. I think that's the key thing is we're, we're going to have better games every week. The big 10 games are going to be better. The sec games are going to be better. Uh, I mean, I'd rather watch these prospects in the draft play USC and UCLA uh, than you know, Hey, you're, you're playing Rutgers and in Indiana, right. Or split, split that in half. Um, I'd much rather have, top tier games, every school's got to play five, you know, brutal games in their conference. I think that's great. I want to watch that. So from my perspective, week to week, you know, I, I think this can be a good thing if, if the, the dominoes kind of shuffle and fall where they may. It's, it's, you hate to see a lot of like, especially like some of those rivalry games are going and already have and are going to go away. Some of the other ones are, you know, and that is the biggest, and that's one of the main things about college football is the tradition and all that sort of stuff. But we are heading, and I think the colleges themselves decided many years ago that it's all about the money, right? That they've been chasing that cash, and everybody's always said we don't want it to become the NFL. Well, it's a bit too late because that's what essentially what college ball is now. And to further your point is where we're going to end up, I think, within the next six to eight years is the SEC and the Big Ten are essentially going to become the AFC and the NFC. And I think that's where we're headed, where you're probably going to see both of them move to – the SEC already did this uh, during the COVID year where they played 10 conference games. Uh, I think you're going to see that at some point and then they'll play the two of the, you know, outside games. And then, you know, you're already expanding the playoff to 12 teams, which is what the NFL had up until a few years ago when they expanded to 14 and who's to say college ball can't do that too, you know, at some point. Right. And then you just, you could, you could easily have a big 10 side of the tournament and an SEC side of the tournament and play the championship game is now, you know, between those two. And that, and I think that's where we're headed you know, at some point. Yeah, almost a basketball-style conference tournament, right? And who wins each conference, those two play, and that's it. Uh, no, I think it definitely could happen. I think six to eight years is a little uh, is a little quick. I think it's because of the ACC's contract isn't up till 2036. Like you mentioned, the Open. We'll see if teams can get out and find a way out. Um, you know, but they've been kicking the tires on Washington State and Cal and Stanford and, you know, maybe some of the Pac-12 teams. Maybe they're going to try to compete a little bit. Uh, so I think it might be more 10 to 20 years before we see that completely blow up. But, uh, you know, it def- definitely could. 
I mean, the reason I say that is because essentially Disney owns the rights to all the SEC games and all the ACC games. So now I know it's not maybe smart business for them to essentially pay those ACC teams SEC prices when they don't have to. And that might be the holdup there. But, I mean, nothing's stopping them. If they think they can get more TV money or more ratings and advertising money from merging essentially Florida State, Clemson, Miami, North Carolinas into the SEC, they're paying them already anyway. So ESPN would essentially be breaking their own contract, right? So they could do that. And the Big Ten, you know, absorbs, you know, some of the others that Fox is already paying for. Essentially, you're going to have the Fox Conference and the, no, no, and the no, Disney you're, Conference. You're in SEC country. Don't be giving all the good teams of the SEC. The Big Ten's going to be stepping in right now. They're making more money. So, I, 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 but I'm just saying, I'm just saying who's already paying who? That's here, but, but the problem is the school gets to decide ultimately. Like that con, the con, those contracts are separate, and that that's going to be once that ACC contract is up. I mean, it's going to be a rush to get those teams, and it'll depend where, uh, you know, where the SEC and Big Ten contracts are. Like it, yeah, like you said, it's about money. They've cast aside the non-football sports, um, essentially. You know, maybe some of them still care about basketball a little bit, <laughs> but but like if you don't make money, you're what you got. You could travel out to the West Coast, like it doesn't matter. Um, and and that's just the way the color sports is going, and probably the way that it should go. It's it's been we've been watching college. You and I have been watching college football for a long time, and you can go back 10, 20, 50 years and see these guys playing like pro athletes anyway. You know, getting getting pro athlete money from uh, under the table anyway. Like, let, let's just do it. If, if we're going to do it, then do it. And in Texas and Alabama and Pennsylvania and California, you can enjoy high school football. as kind of that pure amateur experience. Ultimately, what I would like to see here is everything we've just talked about here be only for football. And then let the other sports go back to the regional conferences. Even if we, if we have to bring back, the wax and the whatevers. And let's just start moving these other sports, the non-revenue sports, if you will, back to the regional things that make sense. Because right now it does not make sense for Oregon and Washington to be trucking softball teams out to Newark, Newark, New Jersey, or wherever Rutgers is, or out to College Park, Maryland, and such like that. It doesn't make sense. Football, you play once a week. Travel is not an issue, right? You do it already anyway. But these other sports, your volleyballs and your tracks or whatever, none of that makes sense for these cross-country treks. Uh, that I would like to see if we're going to do this, let's just do it football only and let, let them govern themselves and break away from the NCAA just for football, if you will, and just move the rest of it back that way. I mean, the problem is if that happens now – Division three football is gone because all that NCAA money, the revenue sharing is gone. Most of D2 football is gone, you know, if that happens. And that's that's the downside of breaking away from the NCAA. It's going to hurt a lot of those smaller schools that need the revenue to even have a football program, let alone other sports. Uh, so I'm maybe not in favor of that because of that kind of ripple effect. Um, look, it's going to make it tougher for these con- SEC and the Big Ten who make the schedule – 
you're gonna have to make it work. Like if 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 Rutgers is going out to play USC, now they're playing UCLA, Oregon, and Washington. You know, all, right in a row. Like that's what's gonna have to be, and vice versa. And they got to make that work. And even for football, they're trying to make that work uh, with the Big Ten schedule. I, I think that has to has to make sense. Not much caring about the student part of the student athlete uh, phrase anymore there. But I, like I said, they bit they they stopped caring about that years ago, so right. they don't care about it. Why should we? Uh, from like I said, from an evaluation standpoint, though, from our point of view, we're going to get better games to watch every week. We're going to get, which means our evaluations are going to get better every you know with every game because you're going to see good on good every single week. So that part of it is is good. But on to this though, at what point? do these TV executives start making decisions like, okay, we brought in Oregon and Washington prominent football programs. Why are we still subsidizing Rutgers and Indiana here? And why don't we start giving them the old get the hell out? Well, so, because it's about more than the schools, right? Like Rutgers is about having the New York, New Jersey market. You know, even – Washington and Oregon aren't even that much about how good they are. It's about now a whole state has to play Big Ten games. You know, two whole states have to play Big Ten games on their TV. Like, that's what's important. And I think it's why the Big Ten wants to get into Florida. I think Texas is pretty off limits for them. But, like, that'd be ideal, right, to get a Florida school, to get a Carolina school, to get, uh, a D- you know, uh, you have Maryland for D.C., Virginia – if you get a Texas school, I think it's about more markets than how good the teams are. And, you know, if you're going to get the LA market, you're get USC, right? Like if you can, that's who you get. But, um, you know, I think that's kind of the approach for which they started a long time ago when I was in college of bringing Rutgers. I think that was the, really the first drop for the big 10 was we, we want to secure uh, the New York market and have those, that viewership out there. And that was great a decade ago, but we're now living in a world where ESPN's in less homes than FS1, which means the Big Ten Network's in less homes, and the more and more people get away from cable, like I said, I may be one of the last holder owners here of still paying for cable every month, and even I have looked at alternatives now because the bill is getting ridiculous, and I don't even get Sunday ticket anymore for my bill with DirecTV, so... Are the markets really that important 10 years from now? Is is that where we're headed, where, you know, we're all living in a world of where we have 14 streaming bundles instead of cable and paying the same price? Uh, I, look, you, I mean, you might be right. There's still for, you know, a channel, if you're going to broadcast Big Ten games and there's four Big Ten games on, right, or, you know, then depends where those line up. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I kind of feel – what you're saying, because it almost feels like in a decade, like it shouldn't matter. You should be able to access any game that you want. Uh, but that seems to still be a big deal. So I don't, maybe it's just a big deal in terms of money for, you know, for the stations that are paying for it. I, I don't know. And I say that as a fan of a school who would probably be one of the ones that got booted out <laughs> in a scenario where I just talked about, you know, I mean, South Carolina being the AAC at this point, I would think if the SEC started picking the bottom four schools to kick out, South Carolina is probably one of the four that's going to go. 
Yeah, so, you know, I, I wonder if it is just to get eyes in that market on that game. Like, that's really the, the key. It doesn't matter. Like, I can watch Rutgers if I want to watch Rutgers, right? But people in New York and New Jersey are – them. they're not going to watch the Big Ten if it's not Rutgers. Like, they're not going to watch it. So, I think that's more what they want. You want the, the, num- the number to go higher on the chart – for that, for New York and Los Angeles, you know, that's that's maybe where you make money. I don't know. Uh, but it, it, we could hit a point where it really doesn't matter. And now then it becomes about just getting the best teams. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. It's definitely interesting. And like I said, all of the most of this doesn't start taking place until next year. I am curious as what ends up with the four remaining packed pack schools, the pack four, if you will, now. Um, I think I honestly think Stanford and Cal could operate as independent for a little while and get away with it. Uh, Washington State and Oregon State, I, honestly, I'm I'll be, I'll be honest, I believe they're perfect fits for the Mountain West. I think their school size and everything, their budgets are going to take a tremendous hit, regardless of where they end up. Or, you know, as one rumor has it, they may all four end up in the American Athletic Conference where travel wouldn't be as bad because they are a lot of central time zone schools in that conference. So it's not as bad as if they were all in the Eastern time zone. Doesn't the PAC 12 get an automatic bid in the playoff? Yes. Yes, they do. So there is no, there is no incentive for them to do that for them to do anything for two years. So, and actually, I did see something about that today because also the Mountain West Conference uh, TV contract is up in two years. They none of them can leave without paying like a seventeen million dollar exit fee right now. So Cal and Stanford, Washington State, Oregon State, that they brought up the point that they all for the next two years could um, play each other home and home. And just have to seriously, and just have to backfail six games, right. which they could do with the Notre Dames and some of the other armies and some of the other independent schools. And then when the Mountain West Conference TV deal runs out, essentially merge into the new pack, whatever, and pick and choose which ones you want: your Fresnos, your Boise, you know, your UNLV schools like that, San Diego State's, and then make a new conference out of that and go to the table to get a. Maybe the Apple TV deal is still there as something they might look at, or maybe the CW network, as we were joking about off air, you know, throws money and stuff like that. So that could be something that they could entertain. I thought that was a, a pretty good, but yes, for the first expanded playoff, if whoever wins the Pac Four uh, would essentially, um, if they are one of the six highest rated conference champions, they would get in. It's not an auto bid. They just have to be one of the six highest rated conference champions. Okay, interesting. That's in- one of the six highest rated conference. So that's interesting. Um, yeah, we'll see if there's some loophole or they try to, you know, change that. It's- SEC it's- Commissioner Greg Sankey has already said that he thinks they should go ahead and, since the climate has changed, we should probably go ahead and go in and change some language in the uh, playoff yeah, field. My, my guess is that's going to change. All right. Yeah. All right. Let's move on from college realignment to something that's, I guess, somewhat different. I guess 
The NFL preseason is one weekend, essentially two get two weeks for the Browns and Jets as they uh, played the Hall of Fame game. But uh, any observations from this first week of preseason, Shane? Any any uh, overreactions? <laughs> well, uh, the, the Ravens' uh, win streak's still going. The longest still going. That preseason win streak, one by one point against the Eagles. Is that one of the wildest stats in sports? Is they haven't they haven't lost a preseason game since 2015? Yeah, like it, it's just. It's just wild to think about what the world was like in 2015 versus now, and uh, and and <laughs> what was happening then. Um, so that was crazy too. So I'm like, it's funny because I mean, you know, you're a Bengals fan, I'm a Steelers fan. We don't root for the Ravens, but like, I, I root for. The I don't want them to lose. I root for the <laughs> Ravens. Like, yeah, I, I was invested. Uh, so yeah, so that was fun. You know, it's always fun to see some of the um, yeah you know, some of the rookies that we you and I watched uh, through college and so much. And went through the whole draft process. It's kind of the first opportunity to see some of those players and see what you saw on film. You know, for me, uh, it's a lot of the skill guys, Devin a chain from Miami, even some of the undrafted guys, the Eric Prince going to Kansas City, you know, seeing him do well um, is exciting. Or sometimes you get some of these names from the past. Elijah Dotson, the, the undrafted running back for the Chargers, had a good game. So um, it, it, that's always kind of fun to see some of these names pop or even older draft names uh, come back and do well. Chargers have uh, having some luck there with those directional Colorado school running backs there. Look, well, maybe they, maybe they made the right choice. I mean, because was it uh, like little Eckler? Yeah, Austin Eckler, Eckler from Western Colorado, right? And then uh, Dotson from Northern Colorado. So that's 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 fun. Uh, the three first round quarterbacks uh, on the struggle bus there this uh, first week, a little bit. They, they uh, were, but all three. I mean. Essentially, Anthony Richardson was named the starter. Bryce Young is essentially essentially named the starter. And CJ Stroud's going to be all the yeah. first team snaps. We haven't had that happen in a while, where right. uh, you know either. So that, that's kind of interesting. But you're right; it was uh, it was a little bit of struggles the first game out. I, I used to be on team let them sit, but I've almost talked myself into now just just throw them in. They they let them learn trial by fire. If it works, it works. If it don't, it don't. You can get out of the contracts now, right? With the rookie wage scale, it's not it's not the albatross that it used to be. So just let them go, and just if not, come back and do it again in two years, like the essentially you know some of these other teams have done. Um, I, I got a little. I watched a little bit of the Jets Panthers game because I wanted to see uh, Bryce Young, and God, he took a beating. That Jets front four just laid him to waste. Yeah early on in that game. Uh, Richardson was up and down. I mean, he had that one interception was was quite bad, the one that got returned for the touchdown. But the other, uh, you know, he had some of the wild up and down. I mean, that's going to be all season for the Colts. Hope, hope those guys don't get – hope the Colts fans don't get motion sick uh, watching that team this year because they are in for the roller coaster, I do believe. And uh, what did you see out of uh, C.J. Stroud early on for the Texans? Uh, it, it, it was rough. You know, I think it was, it was definitely a rough game. He, um, you know, he, he had, had a bad interception there and I, I felt like, I felt like he was just holding the ball too long. You know, he was getting a hit and it, that, that clock wasn't there to get the ball. And I, I think Young and Richardson had the same issue. I think a lot of rookie quarterbacks do in preseason where it's the first time you really get that speed and you feel like you have a little more time than you do. Um, so I, 
honestly, I remember Patrick Mahomes in his first preseason being like, oh, this guy's holding the ball on too long. Like, he's not going to be any good, right? You know, it, like, like you make that quick assumption. I think it takes a little bit of time. So I'm, I'm holding judgment on uh, the rookies here. Yeah, uh, Will, Will Levis uh, also not so good. And uh, Rumor 2 have basically be, be losing the backup job here. To Malik Willis wins his last Sorry, Nino. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so we got another two weeks of preseason to get through uh, for the, was it the third, fourth straight preseason? I will not see uh, the Bengals starting quarterback uh, in action. So <laughs> at this point, who cares? I don't think it matters anymore. <laughs> so I'm a little disappointed, Shane, not to see that uh, autographed Jamar Chase jersey in the background here. Uh, yeah, well, I, I don't know if I could put the Bengals jersey up, uh, you know, but we'll see. I did I did win um, win the poker tournament at the Fantasy Football Expo as my, my bracelet's back here, but did win that authentic Jamar Chase signed jersey, so maybe we'll have to display it at some point. I mean, I would probably display it. Behind <laughs> anything, uh, just, just, just say it. Just to say it. But we'll talk a little bit more about the Fantasy Football Expo in a little bit. I wanted to uh, – Get your take on a – I'm going to paraphrase a Jim Harbaugh quote here from a few weeks ago. He said that he thinks that the Michigan Wolverines could have 20 players drafted in the 2024 NFL draft. Is that is – that, I mean, that would obliterate the record. The record is, what, 15? Yeah, in the common draft by Georgia a few years ago? Yeah. So 20 – I know we've got more than 20 on our watch list of Michigan players, but that seems uh, seems a bit high, right? Yeah, I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> so, look, is there 20 players who will be in a camp from Michigan next year? Yes. Like, that's probably going to happen. But just because guys are good doesn't mean that they're going to get drafted. And really where a lot of this is coming from is the offensive line. They only have six offensive linemen, so more they can start this year that are probably draft, you know, draftable or close to draftable prospects. And, and so when you add in the two running backs and JJ McCarthy and a couple receivers, it's like, oh, okay, this could happen. Um, a, they're not all going to declare for the draft. Most of these guys have another year of eligibility. Uh, is that I mean, we know that's not going to happen. And I, I think two, that's just it just doesn't it's not going to work out that way, right? Like some of them aren't going to be as good as they were last year. And honestly, to me, I think he's overestimating a handful of them. I think we could see Michigan get 13, 14 guys. Like I think they get close to the record with this team, but 20 seems pretty ludicrous to me. I know Jim Nagy uh, said that he, he thought that they may have seven draftable offensive linemen on their roster. Yeah, I, I have six that I think are draftable, so Jim must be higher on one more than I am. But that, but seven can't get drafted, right? Like, that can't happen because two of them aren't playing. You know, like, what are you, you're going to draft the guy that, didn't, that played 30, 40 snaps all year, 50 snaps all year? I don't think so. Probably not. Probably not. So I guess we'll put a bow in that one. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, yesterday – the annual Bruce Feldman Freaks list came out, Shane, and we always look forward to this. 
Um, what was the biggest takeaway that you had from the freaks list and why is it Marvin Harrison Jr.'s three nine four uh short shuttle? Yeah. I mean the Marvin Harrison Jr. numbers are wild. I mean that would be like just ridiculous, right? For for a player of his size to run that shuttle time at the combine, right? Even even a little even if a little slower, like even if he has Jackson Smith and Jigba numbers, which were ridiculously good at his size, would be insane. Plus, they're talking, you know, high four threes potentially. If if Marvin Harrison Jr. hits those numbers, I think he's a top two pick in the NFL draft. Like, I, I mean, he's a top two pick now, maybe before we even see any numbers. Right, right. Which, like, I have, you know, you assume that. Um, I mean, when's when's the last time we've had a receiver drafted in the top two? Like, it's it, it really shouldn't happen. Calvin um, Johnson. Yeah, that's right. That's got to be that's got to be the last one. So it's two thousand seven. That would have been so. We're hitting fifteen years. I mean, he's he might he could be that kind of prospect, but that. The, the numbers they put out there. I feel like the numbers in the freak list are a little bit better than they actually come out to be, you know, which is fine. Uh, but Mozzie Smith last year is an example of this. Great example, right? Now, he was number one last year on the list. Right. Uh, 23.5 miles per hour on the G- GPS tracking for Mark Crazy. Uh, so apparently the second coming of Boy. Blake Freeland, a BYU offensive lineman, is here. Number three on the list was Kingsley Swamatea, uh, the BYU offensive tackle, who, number, like I said, number three on the freaks list, uh, 49840. Uh, he with a 37 th- inch vertical. I mean, these are numbers similar to the, what Blake Freeland actually did at the combine last year before going, uh, I think, in the third or fourth round this year. Yeah. And I mean, and Swamatea, to me, it was much better than Blake Freeland on film. I mean, better, better footwork, better hand placement and work. I mean, he's still fairly sloppy in what he does, but, it was, you know, Blake Freeland, to me, was kind of a work in progress from that end. I mean, if Sumatea hits these numbers at his size, uh, I, th- I think first-round pick is definitely within reach. Uh, he's my offensive tackle four right now. I've had him as high as three. Um, but I think those top three guys are all really good, so. It could be a strong offensive tackle class this year. It could be strong. I think that that seems to be the general overall take is we're in for a pretty good offensive tackle class. A lot of teams that and a lot of teams need those guys. So, you know, we might be lucking out on that. Uh, before I talk about the two Gamecocks in the top five, uh, anybody else on this list you wanted to uh, touch on? I I, th- I think uh, Cooper DeGene, the defensive back from Iowa, Super interesting. I think he was on the list last year, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong, uh, but I definitely expected him on here. He's number 14 on the list. He, he's played safety. He's played corner. He's big enough that, that you know, Bruce Feldman mentions maybe even linebacker at 6'1", 210, because he could run in the, in the four threes uh, at 210 pounds is, like, crazy. And, and that plays on the football field. Like, it translates athletically. He's really good. Uh, the question is, what's his position? Uh, can he get it done on the field? See, he's a really 
he's a player like I got three stars next to this season. I want to watch him play for Iowa. And we could be talking about a top 10 pick. We could be talking about a guy that's, you know, is athletic, but not really uh, a top 100 guy. Uh, one other guy, uh, you know, if there's an FCS guy in the top 10, I felt like we need to talk about him. And Thor Griffith from Harvard, defensive uh, defensive tackle, uh, coming in at eight on the freak list here. And uh, four nine five forty for a guy that's two, 320 pounds uh, with a 165-10 split, it says here. So, uh, yeah, this is a guy to watch out for out of the Ivy. Yeah, I mean, he's – He's a nose tackle through and through, and one of those kind of big athletic nose tackles. I Like last year, his, little, his play was a little bit up and down. He plays very upright, but, I mean, you see, you see the pop off the line. So very interesting, could be dominant. He's one of those guys where if I put on a tape and he's not dominant, then I don't care because you're going against lawyers <laughs> and stuff every week. And if you if you're not beating these guys up week in week out, I don't see how you're going to make it in the NFL. So that's just my take on that. But uh, the other uh, two Gamecocks I mentioned, one is Jordan Birch, who's now a duck, but <laughs> technically, you know, started his career at South Carolina. And if Alabama fans are claiming Jalen Hurts, why can't South Carolina fans claim Jordan Birch if he gets back? Anyway, all right. But, yeah, Jordan Birch uh, gets in there. He's a big, fast guy. I hate that he left. But 2026 mock draft, Shane, I know you're going to have one coming out here in a few weeks. And so for that, we've got to talk about Nicholas Harbor, the uh, South Carolina wide receiver slash tight end slash edge rusher. We don't really know what he's going to be yet. But he's six foot five, 243 pounds, and he ran the 100-meter dash in 10.22 seconds this year. Uh, second fastest time in the country. Uh, yeah, two hundred and forty-three pounds, and, and, and that's what he was when he ran it. Uh, I, I think he was two twenty-five in high school, right, but he's, he's bulked up to two forty-three now. But at two forty-three, South Carolina's got his GPS time here at twenty-two point nine miles per hour. That's with the extra weight. That's flying for a big man. Yeah, I look. You, you watch his high school film. I mean. You want, to talk about, you want to talk about dominance standing out. Like, <laughs> it's just, just clown, like no one can tackle me. He, he just clowns on guys. Uh, I, I just don't know where you play him. Like, I think that's been the big issue. I mean, he's been a big uh, – there's been a big debate in Debbie fantasy football about him because, you know, people that like freshmen want to take him. He's super athletic. But it's like – he, he's not playing receiver 243 pounds in the NFL. He's just not. No, you know, he's, he'll be a – He'll be a tight end, and and tight end that hasn't blocked in college, or does he get moved to defensive end? Where honestly, probably was his best position in high school. He was a better edge rusher than seventeen sacks as a junior in high school. Uh, Yeah, Uh, but he averaged thirty yards a catch last year. Uh, Yeah, I I can tell you where I can tell you where he's going to start at South Carolina. He will start at wide receiver. I think they're going to play him as a big slot, try to get mismatches on, you know, linebackers or safeties or whatever. But that's where he's going to start. Overall reports are he's catching the ball well so far. His coach at South Carolina, who coached Julio Jones and Derrick Henry, said that he's basically a size combination of both of those guys, but a full second faster than it. Which is, you have two of the most athletic 
you know, guys from their size and in the NFL the last 20 years. That's, that's yeah. So it's going to be fun to watch. I, uh, I haven't been this excited about a true freshman at South Carolina at all, probably since Jed Debbie and Clowney or Marcus Lattimore. So we're going back almost a full decade here. But, so, I, mean, I know Lattimore, the injury, both those worked out pretty well in terms of play. So that's, Right. That's so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. We, we don't get these five-star guys every year, Shane, like Ohio State does. So, man, we we gotta, we got we to gotta get excited about something. Yeah, well, look, we'll, we'll give you a, we'll give you a little bit there for uh, for Nicholas Harbor and see if you can, you know, see if you can enjoy it. Um, but I hope he does well for you guys. I hope he does. Well, because he'll probably be doing well for Ohio State when he hits the portal. Uh, some sad news this week, Shane, to report: uh, the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl has folded. And uh, so let's pour one out for what was, generally speaking, the number three uh, all-star game in the pecking order. But it was had no draw as far as attendance goes. And I'm guessing the NFLPA just didn't want to fund it anymore would be my guess uh, to that. But uh, it, they had their share of, of NFL prospects coming out of that game. They had, you know, close, you know, high teens drafted every year, right? So – for the most part. So first, I mean, we'll talk about, you know, what this means in the general scheme of the all-star games. I mean, to me, it helps the hula bowl out, right? Cause now they're the de facto number three uh, in the bowl order. So they should get better prospects, at least initially anyway. And, uh, but any other thoughts on what it means going forward? Yeah, it sucks. Cause I think they, there was a point where they were neck and neck with the shrine bowl um to maybe be even be the number two game and then uh, i think some you know some money got injected into the shrine and it kind of took off the nflpa didn't have that uh so it never really was able to, to hit its mark so you know i i i like the all-star circuit i think there are enough games left where we can really still get a full round of players that are drafted or going to be signed um, and, and I'm happy. I'm not happy that's gone, but I'm happy for for uh, bowls like the Hula Bowl um, to, to maybe have a shot to really make it make a bigger impact and, and have more you know NFL personnel there. Uh, I, th- I think it could make a difference. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what the future is. Maybe another bowl comes up in its place, but it'll be sad to not have NFL pay, NFL pay collegiate bowl this year. Yeah. One uh, other thing came out. Uh was announced, was it Monday or yesterday? I can't remember. But the NFLPA is going to, in turn, sponsor the Senior Bowl this year for their 70th, sponsoring their 75th anniversaries. This is the 75th Senior Bowl coming up this year, and the NFLPA is going to sponsor that. They're going to bring a lot of Senior Bowl alums into town for that week for some big to-do. Uh, they're going to talk, uh, have a big thing at halftime during the game. So – uh, at least for this year, the NFLPA throwing its weight to the Senior Bowl. We'll see what goes on beyond this year, but at least for the 75th anniversary of the game, the Senior Bowl gets a little boost here with the NFLPA uh, coming on board. Yeah, you might need to do a whole show at some point about what what's going to happen with the Senior Bowl and all these bowls in a year. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see if this weight can help the Senior Bowl out. Not that they need much more help as it is. 
but it seems like it's going to be a cool event this year for sure. Yeah, I'm I, uh, going to have a lot of fun covering it this year. Like I said, I'll we'll have our normal coverage with it every year with me being here every day, you know, watching all the practices and the like. We'll be podcasting every night. Uh, about the game and I'll probably should be on the radio call again for my fourth straight year. So I look forward to it. It's, it's one of my favorite weeks of the year, every year. Cause like I said, there ain't a whole lot happening in mobile Shane. I mean, I, you know, don't want, don't want to be telling tales out of school here, but you know, <laughs> mobile, not the most happening place on earth and the senior bowl is one of the, you know, it's really the only thing that happens here that I get excited about. So, but yeah, but Speaking of things to get excited about, Shane, you were once again representing Draft Countdown at the Fantasy Football Expo last week in Canton, Ohio. That's where it's at. Yeah. So uh, talk to us, man. What, what what was happening at the Expo last week? It was, it was fun. I got to meet a lot of people. I know a lot of our listeners are into fantasy football. Got to meet people, listen to the podcast, you know, had a good time down there for uh, three or four days and um, – like I said, the first night, I, I cleaned up in the uh, second annual Football Guys Poker Tournament, took home the number one prize and the main prize in the tournament. So that was, that was exciting. Got me a little bit of cred. Got to wear the bracelet around all weekend. Um, and then I got the draft from the Hall of Fame, which was pretty cool. So I did two. I did a college fantasy football draft, which if you're listening to this, you probably should play college fantasy football. If you're, if you're into this enough, it is worth it. Uh, we got to get more people in there and – uh, also, a, a full IDP 46-14 team round draft um, in the Hall of Fame. So I got to take the elevator back and forth. They were all on opposite ends of the uh, of the building. So I got to do that and then go to the expo on Sunday and talk with some people. Maybe my favorite draft countdown moment um, was uh, I had a, a, a guy who, um, who oh, I, I know a little bit, but uh, came up to me and said, you know, I love Draft Countdown, and my kids make fun of me, but I always have it up on a tab on my phone. He proceeded to op- take his phone out and show me. He showed me the Draft Countdown is always there on a tab on his phone. Um, so uh, Ricky was was awesome. It was nice to meet him. Uh, and, it, you know, I, if you're listening, you don't have Draft Countdown up on your phone all the time, then I guess you're not as, as big a fan as, uh, as Ricky is. I don't even have draft countdown up on my phone all the time. That just shows you how dedicated Ricky is. So yeah, yeah it's good stuff, man. That's that's great. Uh, well, the, I am curious about the po- poker tournament. Was, was it Texas Hold'em or was it a different? Yeah, no, no limit. Texas Hold'em. Fifty-four participants at the M Bar in Canton, Ohio. Uh, varying ranges of experience. Uh, so, but. Uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of coasted through the first half, and then I, I caught on fire. I had about 50% of the chips going into the final table. And the first hand at the final table, I took down the second biggest stack. So I had 80% of the chips, nine people left. I, I just bullied everyone. Yeah, that's, 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 and, that's, that's, that's a nice, nice uh, – when you, when you got that, that, that kind of chip lead, it's, 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 pretty, <laughs> it's pretty easy after that. I saw your winning hand was queen eight, so must not have been a whole lot on that final hand there. You know, head, look, heads up, it's, it's a good yeah. hand. I, I caught high pair with eights. He had sixes, which was the second highest pair. And, yeah, like I said, God got me a nice uh, Jamar Chase signed authentic jersey. I can I can rub in Brian's face a little bit. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, 
we took the summer off, Shane. Uh, we took three months off. We we folded, uh, shut her down mid-May, came back, you know, this past Monday. Uh, what else did you do this summer besides going to the Fantasy Football Expo? Oh, that's a good question. So my wife is uh, is nine months pregnant. Uh, baby, we're gonna have a baby in two weeks. Uh, August thirtieth is the date. So it's been a lot of preparing for for the newborn, our first, and getting all that ready. We did take a little baby moon to uh, Charleston and got to uh, you know hang out there in in South Carolina. Stopped in Virginia. Um, got to the University of Virginia on the way down to Charlottesville was was very cool, uh, and getting to see that stadium and all that was was neat. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, for me, it's been a lot of you know getting ready to be a dad and relaxing. Did go to the uh, Taylor Swift concert in Pittsburgh. I know you're jealous, Brian. Um, Su- super jealous. <laughs> gift for for Christmas for my wife. So her and I went, and I, it was an awesome show. We had a, we had a good time there too. So. It's been pretty fun for me. Uh, how about you? If not for Shake It Off, I could not name you one Taylor Swift song. No, no, not the anti-hero. No, right no idea what that is. Uh, all right, all right. Which one of the which one is that? One of the ones about her ex-boyfriends? I, I don't know. Uh, I I know it doesn't it, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. No, sorry, not not a Swifty, not a Swifty. But no, I uh, I had some I I. I did a lot of reading over the summer, uh, non-football stuff. I, I enjoyed, uh, you know, reading, reading a read four, four uh, books over the summer. I read a book about the making of the Godfather movie and all the uh, mob stuff they had to go through to get that made. It's uh, called uh, Leave the Gun, Take the Cannolis, uh, which was a great book. I read two books uh, about the Wolf of Wall Street. I know a lot of people have seen the uh, Martin Scorsese film of the same name. Uh, I watched it first, read the books. It was fascinating to me, you know, that sort of wild <laughs> lifestyle and how one gets away with that stuff for so long. I, I don't know. It's, it was wild to me. And I read another book too. Uh, I cannot remember the name of it. Oh, the, uh, the book uh, Showtime, the book about the uh, Lakers dynasty that they currently have the HBO show about uh, that's currently running every week. I read that book as well. So I thought that was a good one. So I, I enjoyed some uh, reading time, uh, trying to get the daughter to read more. So that, that was a way to do that as we all read together. Well, different books, nice. different books, that's of nice. course, but <laughs> she doesn't need to be reading about the uh, cocaine lifestyle of Jordan yeah. Belfort. Fair, but you know, maybe, maybe that maybe that's what get that would get me into reading, I guess, uh, back then. So no, I mean, it's cool. I, I I really do need to read more. That's one thing I used to love as a kid that I just you know stopped doing, but maybe soon enough. Have Have you saw the Mario Brothers movie yet? I have. I have. We went when it was in theaters. Uh, okay, and I, I I loved it. I really enjoyed I did it. Too. <laughs> Took me back. Hey. Yeah, I, I, I told someone it, the movie is clearly made for kids, no doubt about it. But they throw enough Easter eggs, yeah, tons, tons, Easter tons eggs. that that brings us the the children of the, the Nintendo age enough Easter eggs in there. I really loved all the uh, Punch Out references and all that, and the, the, I loved it. It was a good good flick out on Peacock now uh, for those who haven't seen it. Uh, Another video game uh, series out right now, Shane, Twisted Metal on Peacock. Don't know if you were a Twisted Metal guy on, on the PlayStation, but uh, 
I was not, but I mean, I, I played it. I, I'm not sure how a Twisted Metal series would be, but we'll, we'll see. It's very violent. I'll tell you that. I finished it yesterday. It was quite fun. But yeah, so that's what we did on this our summer here, uh, which leads us what's coming up on Draft Countdown. And starting tomorrow, uh, we're going to start doing our conference-by-conference conference, uh, preview series, looking at some of the prospects coming up. Uh, we got Big Big 12 coming tomorrow from Brad. It's going to lead us out. And then uh, Pigskin Paul, which, if you missed it, is going to be joining us here uh, for some stuff. He uh, looks at the ACC coming up on Friday. I've got the group of five coming up on Saturday. Shane, you'll have Big Ten coming out next week. I'll have SEC out next week, and Brad has the Pac-12 out next week. So we've got that coming up. Yeah, it was it was fun to, uh, to do the. I just finished the Big Ten article today, and um, only half only half of my ten are Buckeyes. So you'll, you'll be happy. I, well, that that's limited myself. I at least did one per team in the SEC. Well, that's nice. Right. So, uh, (laughs) all right. No questions in the chat, but we do have some on Twitter, both from our good buddy, Sal, friend of the show. He wants to know, Shane, uh, after Caleb Williams and Drake May, do you see any quarterbacks with first round NFL potential? I see you have Knicks in the first and Milton uh, Joe Milton, uh, Riley Leonard, and Quinn Ewers in the second. But to me, that's more team need than ta- their talent. Is uh, that fair? Uh, I don't think it's wholly fair. You know, we're kind of in the same situation we were in last year, right? We knew Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud were top quarterbacks. And it was like, hey, here's 12 guys that could be first-round picks. And Anthony Richardson ended up being that guy. You know, so I think this year is going to be very similar. I think we know Caleb Williams and Drake May are going to be first-round picks. We're going to have another first-round quarterback, maybe more than one, but at least one more. But I probably have 10 names on my list that it could be. you know. And so that, that makes it tough. Right now, I think Bo Nix from Oregon is in the lead because of his good season last year. If he builds on that, and I expect Oregon's offense to keep running, I think he got a, a day-two grade from the underclassmen committee. So – to me, that seems like, okay, this is a guy that can move up into the first. But, no, I legitimately think Riley Leonard has a shot, and Quinn Ewers has a shot if he bounces back. Um, J.J. McCarthy's getting a lot of hype. I think Joe Milton uh, from Tennessee has that upside of, like Anthony Richardson did. Um, I like Jordan Travis from Florida State to be a Heisman contender. You know, So I think there's a lot of possibilities out there. It's going to be a while before we know who that person is. Michael Penix, another name uh, thrown out there. I know you're not as high on him as I am. Uh, another good year for Spencer Rattler, maybe. Just saying. I'm just throwing it out there. Just saying. Just saying. Just, just saying. <laughs> That's what people are saying out there, Shane. Uh, uh, another question from Sal. Can you walk through your edge rankings? Uh, after Jared Verse, there just seems to be so many options I think there are a lot of – I think it's another pretty good edge class and can really shape up that way. Uh, Dallas Turner from Alabama I think is close to Jared Verse. He has that type of Will Anderson ability, but obviously Will Anderson being in Alabama, we didn't even see the stats. Can Dallas Turner do that? Um, You know, Ohio State has a couple guys with, I think, big upside that haven't quite, you know, hit that yet. 
Um, it could be up there. Penn State has a couple players, you know. So I, I think there's kind of a bunch that could be later first round picks or in the second round picks. Um, and I think that it extends maybe the to top 15 in my edge rankings. I feel like these could be top 100 players, you know, pretty legitimate talents if things go well. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, right now, before the season, there's a lot of unknown. There's a lot of this is kind of what I see on film, but are these guys going to get better? Um, a lot of projecting at this point to me is, okay, this player is going to take the next step. Here's where they would be. Some of those players don't take the next step, and that that creates problems. So it's um, we're, we're going to get to find out pretty soon. Uh, one guy that I am much higher on than you, because he's 11 on your edge rankings, uh, but number two on mine is a guy I thought could have been a first-round pick last year, and that's UCLA's Laitu Laitu. Uh, I, I love his size. I, I think he's got good bend around the edge. I think he finishes plays. I really like uh, Latu from UCLA and want to see him continue his upward trajectory a little bit. I like I like his film a lot. Now, he had the neck injury before going to UCLA, which he wasn't supposed to play football again. He obviously did and was successful. Um, so I think I'm torn on what's that medical going to look like. But you have a 265-pound guy who uses his hands the way that he does and has that first step. I Matthew mean, think does have first-round potential. Um, like I said, like, like kind of that top 15 kind of hits for me. But uh, I'm, I'm just a little bit weary on the injury side because we don't really know. Always the medicals. Always the medicals. All right. So that's going to do it uh, for tonight's episode. Uh, final thoughts, Shane, as we're back here. We've talked about a lot of things tonight, a lot of broad range. Next week, we kind of get back more into our more traditional uh, type stuff uh, where we look ahead to the weeks in college football, which because we have week zero coming up here 10 days from now, 10 days from today, Notre Dame and Navy kicking off the season in Ireland. Yeah, I love it. I look, I, I, I went to Ireland last year. It's awesome. That'd be sick. There you go. See a football game and – Drink a lot of beer. I mean, what, what's not to like, right? The, the, the Guinness in Ireland is so much better than the Guinness here, and I like the Guinness here. But, like, it is night and day. They're completely different, and it, I, I will just, like, never have that again probably, and it's just, it hurts me to not have that again. I had someone once tell me about Guinness that I said, what did it taste like? He said, imagine you left coffee on the pot for three days and then drank it. That's, that, that, that that's is... what somebody told me about Guinness. <laughs> I'm not a beer guy. Never. I don't. I haven't had a drink in almost 20 years. An alcoholic drink in almost 20 years. Uh, and even then, I didn't drink beer, so I can't imagine I would have drank Guinness. I was more of a vodka guy back then, but that's many, many moons ago. That's. that's I, I probably drank more at the expo than you've drank in like the past 25 years. Very, very, very. I wouldn't say 25 now. Okay, okay. But definitely, definitely, if you had more than one drink, you've had more than I've had in, in the last 19. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But I wouldn't say 25. I used to put them away. Okay, all right. I'll, I'll, back, in the back. back in the day. Back in your uh, heyday there. But there was a lot less gray in the in, in the beard. As a matter of fact, there wasn't even a beard back oh, then. Oh, so. you need to see that someday. Well, we don't need to see that. But, uh, <laughs> all right, so that's going to do it. For tonight's edition of the Draft Countdown Podcast, again, 
if you're new to the channel, hit that like button, subscribe. If you're listening to the audio version of the podcast, be on Apple, be on Spotify, leave us a five-star review. Share that without, out to all of your peeps and everything. Uh, but that's going to do it. We're going to be back again next week. Looking forward to it. We're talking some week zero football next week, more preseason probably, and the senior role watch list coming out next week, Shane. So we're going to talk about that as well. It'll be fresh next Wednesday. So we'll, we'll talk about that then. But for Shane, I'm Brian. Good night, everybody.